Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. About a word I felt God give me for tonight. I know there's just been so much going on, so much happening in our world, in our society, and I just felt a, a very simple word from God tonight that I want to share. And uh, the title of the message is called Beautiful, and it's Be You Beautiful. When you are you, you are the most beautiful. I want to speak tonight just a message that speaks to our value, to our worth, to who we are. When we are ourselves through Christ, there's nothing more magnificent in all of creation. We are God's masterpiece. We are the pinnacle of his creation. And I think sometimes in the world and in the race of life, we can forget that. And I just want to remind us of that tonight. So my first point is this, be you. And write that down, it's very... A lot of revelation there. Get ready. Be you. When you're you, you're the most beautiful. But I've actually found on the journey of being us or being you and I, um, as we find our way in life and as we find our way to Christ, life can get a bit wonky. Um, life doesn't typically start out in rainbows and perfection. And we all come from different backgrounds. And I think my parents were a little bit nervous about me when I was kind of at the beginning of my discovery. Um, when I was a real little kid, um, people would ask me, you know, that question, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was little, and I would tell them, oh, I want to be a bird. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a bird because then I could fly anywhere I want to. Just a little bit of independence as a young kid. That moved on to didn't get any better from being an animal to then, what do you want to be when you want to grow up? <laughs> you guys, let me be real transparent. This is my real answer. I want to be an acrobatic clown in the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Goals, you guys, goals. This is what I wanted to be when I grew up because I thought nothing better than to be able to make people happy. And I thought clowns are what do that. And so I want to be a clown and not just any clown. I, I don't want to be a boring, regular clown. So I want to do acrobatics. And I made my parents put me in gymnastics so that I could become a, an, an acrobatic clown in the Barnum and Bailey Circus. My dreams were dashed in... Um, before I became a teenager and as we were moving to Ecuador because they didn't have a gymnastics um, class there. And so my, my dreams just <laughs> from there. And then um, as I continued to kind of grow up, um, you know, on the journey of life and found my way, I feel like all of us are given opportunities to find ourselves in Jesus and to have an encounter. And though I was saved as a little kid and I grew up in a Christian family and it was awesome and such a beautiful opportunity, every one of us at some stage of our life, no matter how we grow up, have opportunities to choose if we're going to be a Christian. And I found in my own life that um, when I was a teenager, I kind of got to that point as a teenager where I was like, am I a Christian because I was born into a Christian family? 
Like, I was a very logical human, even as a kid. And I was like, you know what? What if I was born into a Buddhist family? Would I be Buddhist? Like, if I was born... And my, both my parents had radical salvation stories. They had radical encounters with God. My mom grew up Jewish, um, and her testimony is absolutely extraordinarily insane. Um, and she became a Christian. She says she didn't convert to Christianity. It, her Christianity was fulfilled in Christ, so she's a completed Christian. Christian is how she says it. Um, my dad, Catholic, you know, parents that just, you know, worked, did life, and then he had this radical encounter with God, and he became a Christian. Well, I grew up in a Christian family, and so that's all that I knew, and when I was a teenager, I kind of got to that point, and I was like, wow, am I a Christian just because that's what I know, that's how I was raised, and, and so I remember telling my parents, you know what, here's the thing, I um, don't want to be hypocritical because every non-Christian likes to use the word hypocrite when it comes to Christianity. And so you pick that up real quick. I don't want to be hypocritical, so um, I'm not going to be a Christian right now. And I am going to go on a discovery and I'm going to decide, I'm going to find out if I should be a Christian. I'm going to research the religions of the world. I'm going to see what my friends do. I'm going to look at all these things, all these roads, and then we'll see what happens. And my parents, being very wise, wonderful Christian parents, said, great, um, on your little journey, just know you'll be coming to Christian church every Sunday, <laughs> and, and that will be part of your journey, whether you like that or not. But feel free, research the religions of the world, but we'll see you in church on Sunday, whether you call yourself a Christian or not. Good parenting tip. Well done, parents. I think nowadays that needs to be heard more than ever. Parents are like, do whatever you feel. No, be a parent. You tell them what to do. They're not out of your house yet. You got some authority. <laughs> Every parent, amen. And so it was a very short journey for me. Um, I researched the religions of the world. I found that I found dead people. I found um, people that fell on rocks and came up with theologies. I found all kinds of things that I was like, what in the world are people believing? I looked at all of my friends and all of my, that, that I had, and all of the, the, the religions outside of Christianity, they were all sad, depressed, in a bad way. Their life didn't go well. So it was a very short journey to where I had a re-encounter with Christ and found myself at the feet of Jesus, repenting for not calling myself a Christian and coming back to Jesus. And that's kind of where my little journey began. And I think all of us, have a journey of encountering Christ. It looks different, but we all are given those opportunities. But I find when we become a Christian, when I made that step, it wasn't like all of a sudden Jesus was like, great, now you're a Christian. I need you to be somebody totally different than how I designed you to be. Like so many of us become Christians and then it's like, I, who do I need to be like? What do I need to be? Can I just put it really plainly and simple? We don't need to be like anyone. We need to be like Jesus. That's the example that God gave us. And being a copy of someone else doesn't suffice. Copies are never better than the original. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nation. Right now in our world, we have an argument that's going around when conception, when life starts. Is it at conception? Can I tell you, church, 
It's not at conception. It's way before that. We were all created and designed in the mind of Christ. Before we ever hit the planet, before ever mom and dad got together, God thought about us. This is what it says of Jeremiah. I mean, imagine that. I formed you in the womb. Before I formed you, I knew you. What does that mean? I did a little research. And, and this, is, um, this is what it says. The Hebrew, the Hebrew word formed in Jeremiah 1.5 is the same verb used in Genesis 2.7 as a part of God's creative act in forming Adam, the first human from the dust of the ground. The term is typically used to describe a potter's process of molding clay into unique and useful pottery. A master potter knows the creation he plans to form before he sits at his wheel to work. Just as God knew Jeremiah before he ever started shaping him in his mother's womb, God had set his sights on Jeremiah with plans to create him uniquely. The Hebrew word, verb new means this, means more than intellectual knowledge. It is used to describe the most intimate of relationships. That means before Jeremiah was conceived in his mother's womb, womb the Lord was thinking about him in the most profound and personal way. Just exchange Jeremiah for your name. He thought about you before you were ever conceived. He thought about what you would be, what you would look like, what mark he wanted to place on you, how he wanted you to impact the planet at just the moment he chose for you to be here. It says prior to Jeremiah's birth that he had been set apart. That means sanctified, holy, consecrated. This setting apart indicates the dedication of an individual to a specific use. In the Bible, people or items were set apart for use by God. God knew Jeremiah intimately before conception. He dedicated and he consecrated Jeremiah to himself and then reserved him for a specialized purpose to be a prophet at exactly a time in history when a prophet was needed. Just put yourself there. And many of you think, how could that be? I, I was an accident. I, I wasn't planned. Listen, my sister and I are 11 months apart. <clears throat> Do the math. I was not planned. <laughs> my sister was the firstborn. And um, they call us Irish twins because every year I catch up to my sister and we're the same age for a month. So we're called Irish twins. I wasn't planned by my parents. I was a surprise and I was welcomed, but I was not a surprise from the mind of God. God had a plan. He had a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And that's why we can feel a little lost and a little wonky when we start out our journey because we're starting out already consecrated to God. And we're born into a sinful world. So it's a little odd. And, and, and not until, you know, like people say when they get saved, they find home. Why? Because they find their first dad. Our fathers on earth are our second dads. The first one is our father, God who designed and thought about us and created us. We're his kids. He then entrusts his kids to a parent on earth. And we feel like we come home when we come home to Jesus because we are literally coming back to our very first father, the, pers the, the God who designed and created us. 
And so I kind of think that once we find God and we come back to God, all of a sudden, he wants to bring out the beauty. He wants to bring out the creativity. He wants to bring out the personality. He wants to bring everything that he placed in you ahead of time for the very purpose that he created you and I for. Point number two. So now it's like really sweet. So just get ready for this one, okay? We're good? Two. Don't just be you. What? I just told you to be you. Don't just be you. Be Christian you. There's a caveat in being you. And it's really important because the whole world, especially right now, is telling us, be you. Be everything you feel. Do whatever you want. Think how you want. Live immorally, morally. You know, there's all kinds of things the world is telling us to be. But that moment that we find our home, that moment that we get saved and find our creator, in that moment, a change begins to happen. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. For if a man belongs to Christ, he is a new person. The old is gone, new life has begun. In the Amplified, it says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined in him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creation, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The holy things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. When we become a Christian, and, you know, the, the, you hear people say, oh, you know, you get reborn. You're born again. If we're born again, then there must, a change must be occurring. Why would we be born again and be the same? If we're going to be born again, then that means that new life has come into us. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, we also receive the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That's an, another spirit. All of a sudden, it's in contrast to our sinful nature. So God says, absolutely, be you, but be Christian you. Because now you have, are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be everything that God designed and purposed you to be. John 15, one through two says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So current world says, be authentically you, doesn't matter. You can be evil, you can be good, you can be immoral, you can be moral. The world even doubles down, and, he t- and the world tells us right now. It, it, it demands, it's, it's, it's telling us to comply. It, the world right now is telling us and that, that not only do, are we supposed to be all the feelings, but it actually wants us to affirm anything and everything that is not of Christ. It, it's, the world is trying to compel us to be these feelings, to be all of this. But that's not how God designed it. The world claims acceptance, compliance, and affirmation of good or evil. And that's a very dicey place to be. When we come into Christianity, it is very true. The old is gone. That sinful nature, we now have the ability to say no more in the name of Jesus and say yes to Christ. God says, we accept you. We love you. And it's really interesting because the world proclaims that we all love one another, but actually everything they teach is to hate one another. It's like a super weird, love wins, love everyone. And then any type of difference, they're like, you should hate each other. Hate. It's all hate. 
So we have to, when we come to Christ, we have to come to the saving knowledge of who we are in Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the moment we get saved, our eyes are open to a new reality. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to live everything that he has called us to be. And we are in a fight against darkness. We can't just live out our feelings. We have to live out the principles that God has given us if we want to do life well and minister to the people that he has called us to. The series that we're in is is Save Our City. How are we going to save our city? We have to save our city by being who God designed each one of us to be by being intrinsically who God called us to be, by living out everything that he put on the inside of us through Christ. I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that will be more fruitful. Pruning is a process. Pruning is no joke. Pruning is... Everything that, 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 our, that the sinful nature, nature is telling us to be, God is like, yeah, that's not going to work out great for you. I'm going to need you to go ahead and let that go. And I'm going to need you to follow me and to the things that, that, that I have for you. And honestly, if we do that, then all of a sudden, everything on the inside of us can be repurposed. And it's little tweaks. It doesn't have to be big, huge, massive ones. It all of a sudden actually gives us meaning and, and purpose in life. And a lot of people ask themselves, you know, what is, my, what is my calling? What am I meant to do on the planet? Because Jeremiah, before he was even born, God placed a purpose on the inside of him. Before you and I were born, God placed a a, a mission, a purpose on the inside of each one of us. But can I tell you this? It's a lot less about what we do, and it's a lot more about who we are and who we influence. The what just gets us to the who. The the what, the mechanism, the job, the what, what we're doing on planet Earth, like that just gets us to the people that God specifically placed in our proximity for our personality, for the way that God designed and created us to minister to. So we don't have to all of a sudden become something that we're not. No, in fact, we need to lean into exactly who God designed us to be to reach the people he placed around us at exactly the time that he wanted us on the planet. So here we are on earth. I find so many people searching for God, searching. And I'm like, whoa, just stop. Search no more. <laughs> like, he's here. You, you can close your eyes and, and begin to pray and encounter Jesus himself. Let his voice speak to you and then begin as we are walking away from our sinful nature, walking in accordance with, with, with what God has for us and the principles that God has us, becoming who he wants us to be. And then we influence people for the people that he has called us to. Does that make sense? And it's a lot like this. I I think about it. Pastor Natalie saw this in my notes and was like, how will you tie this in? Get ready. Okay. (laughs) Dying to self is just being inconvenienced all the time. Dying to self is just listening to the still small voice of God and obeying it. And if we do that, we can't help but walk straight into the very destiny that God created for us. That helped me so much because instead of searching for some big thing that I need to be doing or being, all I had to realize was, no, I just need to lean into the spirit that God placed in me and obey what he says, and God will lead me into everything that he wants me to do and be. 
Years ago, I, um, uh, as I was kind of discovering, you know, my journey, I was in college, and, and, and I, I was choosing a college. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And so I decided to become, um, for a really small season, <laughs> I was like, well, what should I do? What should I be? And I, I grew up on the mission field. I grew up, grew up doing, like, medical missions, all this kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, I should be, like, um, a nurse. Because I speak two languages. Don't laugh so loud, Kelly. You can all laugh. I am like the opposite of a nurse. And I love nurses. Like, y'all are lovely human beings. Um, but I just thought, well, I grew up doing that. I used to translate for medical brigades. And I, you know, can speak two languages. I can be a traveling nurse. So I'll get to travel. So I actually chose a college to go to. Got all these scholarships to go to a renowned nursing school. And I arrived there. And um, they have classes in college to weed people out of their classes. Right? Yeah. I was weeded the first week of class. I went to all the classes, and I was like, I hate every class. Like, not just one, but like, what, what are all, you want me to sit and just memorize medical terminology? You want me to do math? You want me to do science? Like, what? I No. In one week, I was like, I am not a nurse. And I didn't know what to do because I moved there. So I was like, I moved there. I got all the scholarships. Like, my family's in another country. Like, what am I going to do? And so me being me, I made an appointment with all the head of the departments, and I figured, well, they need people in their classes. Sell me on what you, what's your thing? Like, what should I be? <laughs> I kid you not. I don't know how they accepted these appointments that I made for myself, but I, I went and I, and, I, and I went on these appointments, and praise God, he had just the right person set up for me, and I met with the head of the communications department, and it was a God-ordained moment. It was a Christian university, and I remember him saying to me, Stacy, by the end of today, you're going to know exactly what you want to do with your life. And he sat down with me, and he began to go over my likes and, and, and my history and what, 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 what was I was good at, what I wasn't good at. And he said, listen, I, I see that you got a lot of gusto, um, and you could, if you put your mind to something, you could do it. But, like, why do it? Like, why be a nurse? You hate all those things. And then he began to discover, no, what you like is the communication. What you like is when you were interpreting for the doctors, not actually doing the medicine. You didn't so much love to take care of the humans as you did you like to talk to them. <laughs> anyways, um, anyways, so I, in one week, um, then changed my major and majored in communications. And yeah, praise the Lord, hallelujah. He puts people the right place at the right time in our journey of life. And then we make little tweaks along the way, and we get inconvenienced with what God has called us to do. I remember I was in Ecuador, and my family, um, my sister, like, she encountered God, became a Christian, and then I just call her the Mother Teresa of Ecuador. Like, when I think I'm doing well, I'll just call my sister and be like, what am I even doing, like, with my life? She's like, oh, hey, yeah, I just had 70 people over, you know, because, and I'm, 70, not seven? Oh, 70. Oh, okay. Oh, I was just up from 1 to 3 in the morning making a bunch of food for these people that get up really early. And I'm like, at what time? <laughs> One time I went to Ecuador, and, and, and my sister said, hey, Stacy, a bunch of ladies are coming over. Um, why, don't you, why don't you come over, and we'll make empanadas? And I'm like, you know what? You know, that sounds great, but I could just buy empanadas. 
because empanadas take like a really long time to make. And I'm like, I'll just buy them on my way there. And she, I'll never forget, stopped. And she goes, um, Stacy, I don't want you to buy empanadas. I invite you to come over and make empanadas because when you make empanadas, it takes forever. And I invited all of these women that have really hard situations in their lives. One woman who's on the brink of divorce, one woman who's been in an abusive situation, one woman. And I need us to sit there and do something with our hands so that they can speak from their heart so that you and I can minister to them. That's what it looks like. To die to self, to be inconvenienced, to minister to the people that God places right in front of us. Okay. Point number three, to to fulfill your calling and purpose, God uses your personality. I hear it too much, like, oh, God, you know, I I became a Christian and then, you know, I couldn't, I don't want to be there. I couldn't do, God wants to use unique you. Can we, can we put it to rest? This is how God affirmed that to me. God, Jesus, when he hit the planet, he chose 12 disciples. 12 very different disciples. 12 very different personalities to reach the planet. Okay. Let's get there. Sorry, I didn't get there in my notes. And um, I love this. I was thinking about a couple of the disciples, and this helps me. So how many people need some help tonight? with humans, (laughs) with people in our lives, right? Um, So for me, because the Bible says this, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. I have to remind myself what kind of countenance I need. I'm like, oh yeah, iron sharpening iron, that's a lot of sparks, you guys. We talk about iron sharpening iron, like, oh yeah, you know, just quote that Bible verse and we're all friends. In normal real life, The people that God puts us around, why is there always someone that triggers you? And they're not just out there on Instagram. Like, they're up close personal. Let's be honest. They're in our work life. They're in our family. They're in our church. There's somebody that rubs us the wrong way, right? And this helped me when God kind of just helped me with that. He was like, look, because if you're going to be effective to the outside world, you have to be effective to your inside world. And I began to realize that everybody has very distinct personalities on purpose. And I thought about the 12 disciples. And I'm like, Peter was absolutely, passionately nuts. Like when you read about Peter in the Bible, like he is the one that is completely always misunderstanding what Jesus is saying. He's rash. He's impulsive. Like he cuts a soldier's ear off, like he reprimands Jesus himself, like the audacity of a human to like reprimand Jesus and Jesus is like, hey, hey buddy. And I love Jesus because Jesus doesn't toss him to the curb. He actually wants that courageous, passionate personality, but just in the right way. But, but you don't always get it in the right way. It doesn't always conform to the way you think that personality should be because your personality is very different to that one. But how beautiful is this? I was reading the Bible and it says this. This is, was really fascinating to me. Simon, whose name first meant Reed, became Peter the Rock, which tells me right there that change began to happen the moment he got saved. Through Christ, we can change. Peter was passionate. He was impulsive. He 
cut off a soldier's ear. He tried to prevent the arrest of Jesus. He was emotional. He folded like a deck chair multiple times under pressure. He denied knowing Jesus. He was constantly being misunderstood. But Jesus, and he's our example, pulled him in closer. He didn't toss him to the side. He's like, I can use that kind of passion in the right direction. And he pulled him in closer. And then here's the crazy thing. Do you know that Andrew was Peter's brother? And Andrew was actually the first disciple of Jesus. Andrew was hanging out with and was with John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the one that was, was the one pointing to Jesus. He understood who he was and his calling. And it was amazing because he didn't have the Bible to direct him. Like it's extraordinary, the life of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was pointing to Jesus. And in pointing to Jesus, Andrew and Peter started to hang out with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is there and he's in his calling. And then Jesus hits the planet, he comes. And then Andrew sees Jesus and, and, and Jesus asks Andrew to follow him and Andrew does. So John the Baptist was so secure that he let him leave his side. How many of us get so controlly in our circles and even on teams and, and when people are discovering their purpose and their calling, can we be big enough to let them spread their wings and fly? Can we let them move into their God-given calling? Maybe we were teaching them for a minute. Maybe we were showing them the way for a little bit and then they get roots and they get saved and they take on who they are and they begin to follow Jesus. Can we release them and their personality to be who they are? And in that journey that Andrew had in becoming the first disciple of Jesus, he told Peter about Jesus and brought Peter to Jesus. I find that fascinating because we hear so much about courageous, bold Peter. But if it wasn't for his brother, Andrew, who was in the backgrounds, who seemingly is in the shadows throughout the Bible, you don't hear a lot about Andrew, but if Andrew didn't have the guts to minister to his brother and bring him to Jesus, we wouldn't have had the Peter, the bold, the courageous, the one that we know today. If we live our callings, whether we are behind the scenes or on a pulpit, or we minister on the one-on-one, -on -one, I love that Jesus does not transcend our personality, he uses it. If we will allow ourselves to become intrinsically who God has created to, us to be, we will fulfill the calling that he has placed on our life. And don't get me wrong, all of us will have moments to step out and break out of that comfort zone. Many people say, well, I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert. My question is, do you obey Jesus? Because Jesus transcends the comfort of even the personality he designed us with. He, he, that is what faith is. That's what being a Christian is. There's gaps. And what are those gaps? They're not to hurt us. No, they're to discover what Jesus placed on the inside of us. That's living out the Christian faith. So God creates us and he designs us uniquely with our personality, with our gifting to be exactly who we are. And if we do us well, then guess what? An entire city can be saved. If John the Baptist could lead an Andrew, if Andrew could lead a Paul, and the list goes on and on and on, we have no idea the people that we are influencing in our inner circle and in our life and to the outer parts of the world just by being exactly who God designed us to be. A whole city could be saved.
The Bible says in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. When people ask the big question, what am I called to do? That. How you do it? That's up for discussion. The 12 disciples, this is what I find fascinating. They all were unique. They all were different. They had different personalities. They were all given the same mission, but they all had a different way of going about it. And that was on purpose. When you research the different disciples, they all went to different parts of the world, ministered to different types of people, exactly who God wanted them to speak and to minister to. And when they did that, it gave opportunity for the whole world to be saved. When we do that in our own lives, when we minister to the people that God has called us specifically to minister to, it will have a domino effect on the world around us. And it's not the big question of what do I do? It's who am I influencing? Here's what's crazy about the 12 disciples. <laughs> Very different, but they all had the same conviction. And all 12 disciples, almost all 12, were martyred for what they believed in. So even though all 12 went about their Christianity in a different way, even though there were some that would be piping off on Instagram and others that would be next door knocking on their neighbor's door, they're different. We have different ways of doing things, but if each of us do those things like the 12 disciples, if the conviction is the same, then we have opportunity to save everyone. The 12 disciples, almost all of them, the Bible says, were martyred. They, they died for, for believing and living out what God called them to believe in, in Jesus. It says almost all of them, the only one their historians are not sure of is, is John. They say he died of natural causes, but that was after he was thrown into a boiling pot of oil and escaped completely, perfectly together. Outside of that, every single disciple, if you do your research, was martyred. And not just on a cross, many of them hang me upside down. I can't even die the way that Jesus did. I am not worthy. All of these disciples went about their calling in different ways, but their conviction was exactly the same. That is why you and I are not trying to be like other people. We are trying to be like Jesus. The way we go about it, we can have grace for one another. We, you know what, the Peters in our lives, I want them on my team. When I'm not going through something, I'm, you know who I'm calling? Peter. I'm like, Peter, I need a bulldog. I need somebody that's gonna get amongst it and fight for me, because this is not okay. And then I need an Andrew. I need to go behind closed doors and pour my heart out and say, help me and minister to me and be in the shadows and help me become who I'm destined and meant to be. I wanna hear from you. And I need a John the Baptist who's gonna tell me and show me and point my way to, back to Jesus. See, we need each other. I need you to be you and you need me to be me. And if we do that, I honestly believe a city could be saved because when we are ourselves, it's attractive. We are beautiful. Men, you're 10Xers, okay? You're amazing. You, you're, I can't even repeat that, Rudy, with a like straight face, wow. You're tigers, Rudy says, okay. Yes. 
And we need each other. We need each of us to be exactly who God has destined and called each one of us to be. Can I have everybody just stand to their feet? Jeremiah was called to be a prophet in a very dark time in history. And the words that that God gave Jeremiah to speak in that time in history were very unpopular. But Jeremiah, when he listened to the voice of God and he obeyed, he had to get real good with who he was in Jesus. If he was gonna face a big dark world with real powers that be, with real darkness, that he was gonna stand up and say some unpopular things, you better believe he knew who he was in Christ to be able to reach the people of his day. And I believe that we are the Jeremiah's of our generation as well. I believe we are the prophets to the people that surround us. I believe that we are the ones who need to know that we were formed, that we were created, that we were designed in the mind of Christ, that we have value in who we are, that we were thought up in the mind of Christ before we ever hit the planet, and that when we hit the planet, we hit it on purpose. And we found our home when we found Jesus. And then as we discover ourselves, we discover ourselves in Jesus, then then we have a ministry. Then we have something to minister to people about, and it's helping them find their way to their Savior too. That's why the moment that people are saved, you have a testimony. The old is gone in that very moment, and the new comes, and change, and transformation begins to happen. And you can tell the whole world, or the neighbor, or the family member, and then they'll see that transformation in your life. And they will want what you have when you are uniquely you. Can you close your eyes and just lift your hands to heaven? If you feel like that was a word for you, a reminder of who you are in today's day and age, would you just give me a wave tonight? I just wanna know if that word kinda kinda hit. Yeah, awesome. And I just want to do this. I just want us to to pray and re-encounter the God who designed us and created us. I believe God wants to say some things uniquely to you. And I just want to give Him space to do that. So I want you just to close your eyes and begin to picture your Savior. Maybe some of us need to be reminded where we came from and look where we are now and be be proud of how far you've come. Maybe some of us needed to be reminded that we're here on purpose and have a purpose and have a calling, all of us do. That we don't have to become something we're not. In fact, we have to become something that exactly who God designed us to be and we will flourish. God, oh God, Lord, I thank you for every person here. Lord, I thank you that we get to encounter you, that every day, that every moment we have an opportunity just to shift our eyes from the world to you and come home to our Father. Lord, to be reminded of who you called us to be. And right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I bind and I break every spirit that has been set up against us to take down and to tear away the value that you placed on the inside of us. Those gnawing words telling us that what we're not and we're not good enough and how could we do anything? And all of those words are from the pit of hell. They're not from Jesus. He thought about you and he had a purpose for you. 
thought of you in his mind eye. He had so much intent for you. And no matter how you arrived, God knew about it. He knew it would be on purpose. He knew you would be a survivor. He knew you would go beyond surviving to thriving. He knew that you would be able to become exactly who he destined you to be and influence the people that he has called you to. So we bind and we break every word curse over people in the name of Jesus. The ones that have been placed on people and the ones that we have condemned ourselves. We break attachments right now in the name of Jesus. We break away from every word that is not the word of our Savior today. Lord, we thank you, God, that when you thought about us, you called us good and perfect. Lord, that you had sons and daughters, not human doings, but human beings in mind, and that you love us so intricately, oh God. Lord, I thank you that every life is of value to you, oh God. And I thank you for courage to begin to rise up on the inside of each of us, to minister to the people that God has surrounded us with, that in that moment of faith, we step outside of our comfort zone and we obey the voice of our Savior and we yield the fruit that comes from that harvest, oh God, that our seeds are multiplied, that legacies can be changed, that generations can be shifted because of our yes and our obedience to the voice of our Savior. God, oh God, we praise you tonight. We thank you, Father, for saving us so that we can go out and save a city. Lord, we praise you. We glorify you. And if there's anyone here and you're like, Stacy, all of that is good, but I actually didn't make that choice. I haven't stepped into that first moment of encountering God, or maybe I did, but it's gotten so stale that I've forgotten who I was. Believe you me, it's happened to me multiple times. Who am I anymore? And God reminds us who we are, and we rededicate our lives to God. And in that moment, regeneration and renewal starts again. So if that's you in this place, could you just lift your hand up real high just so I can see it, so I can pray with you real quick tonight? And then we'll go from, from this place out to all the fun. But I, yep, I see that hand, awesome. Anybody else in this place? If, yep, I see that hand in the back. Anybody else here? If you wanna make that decision to give your life to Christ or rededicate your life again, just raise up your hand so I can see it. We'll pray a simple prayer together as a church of family. So that's what we are, we do life together. So right now, why don't everybody just repeat after me. God, come on, let's hear it. God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. I thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me, for washing away my sinful nature and I thank you Jesus that you sent the Holy Spirit to be with me always to fill in all my gaps to make me who you designed me to be I thank you Jesus that you called me with purpose and intent to live out the best life on planet earth in your name we pray. Can I get a big A? Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. 
or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.